Blog Talk Radio. Ask Sue show. What a night we have in, in store tonight. We have got our callers waiting on the line. And of course, tonight is about the dogs that are being shot by police. This has been horrific for so many people. And tonight, we are wanting here to bring people together to make changes. So firstly, I want to let everybody know that we have got some very special guests on the show tonight. And 
I can honestly say it's maybe a little bit disorganized at parts because we've got want to get through so many different people and I don't want to keep people on hold. I want them to get in on the show. So we may have maybe three or four people on the line at the same time. So if it gets a little bit crosswise now and again, you have to bear with us. But the thing is, we've got very important messages to get out there tonight. I want to thank everybody um, who has been sharing the links for us tonight for the show because it is a very important show. It's about making changes for, the, for literally the good of our dogs and for ourselves. But also it isn't for where we want to be bashing the police either. We want them to call into the show. If you're a police officer listening to the show and you've had to deal with these sorts of things going on where you've had to face a dog for whatever reason, please call into the show, 347-327-9694. Or if you don't want to call in or can't for whatever reason, maybe you're working, not supposed to be on the computer, and you want to give us an email, you can email asksueshow at gmail.com, and I will literally read out your email out on the radio. So either way, so that's either you can call in 347-327-9694, or you can email the show direct at asksueshow at gmail.com. Now, of course, with no further ado, I have to have a special co-host, and tonight is obviously no different. And I'll try not to call her Angel too many times because she's going to get very annoyed. And her name is Kristen Hoffman. Hi, Kristen. How are you doing? Hi, Sue. I'm good, thanks. How are you? Uh, are you feeling a like, little bit nervous yet? Yes. Letty's on the show. <laughs> I'm very nervous. <laughs> well, do you know, we have got... Uh, do you know, I've only took the notes of three people that have already waiting on the line, and they're all very special. Now, I want to bring them all on at once, but the trouble is I'm going to try and do this in a very organized manner. Like I well, just said... do you said, think that Letty could give us, um, let us know what she's got, what she has going on in Illinois first? Yes, or we'll do, what I was going to do is I'll let Leddy come on first, just to let everybody know. We've got Leddy that's going to be on first, then we're going to be joining um, the two gyms, uh, do you know what? We've got two gyms on, so this is going to be really good fun. And we've got Jim Crosby that will be on shortly, and also Jim Osario as well. And we've also got other people waiting on the line, which I will pop in and pop off and fetch them in as well. So for further ado, we'll go straight to Leddy first of all. Hi, Leddy. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Sue. And it's Leddy, but I answer to anything. Oh, <laughs> oh bless you. <laughs> You should hear what they call me. <laughs> oh, I, oh, you should hear what they call me usually, too. Being a lawyer and a lobbyist, you get called a lot. <laughs> I'd call that brilliant. <laughs> there's, there's a few more adjectives for it. Sorry. Well, thank you very much for joining us on the show. I know Kristen, for one, is very looking forward to being able to speak to you and, of course, being able to share um, your experience and also to be able to help us to be able to help people that have you know had their dogs shot by police and also to get the awareness out there and obviously step forward to making changes so I need to let you carry on talking now. <laughs> okay. Well, you know, basically, we at Best Friends, you know, believe in, in a, a better world through kindness to animals. And we don't like to see pets shot by police. And, and most police officers don't want to shoot animals. Unfortunately, they're, they aren't trained in the academies to handle uh, in dog behavior or how to handle dogs. So that's why um, we authored um, a book with the U.S. Department of Justice Cops Office called The Problem of Dog-Related Incidents and Encounters. And any you know, police officer, anyone can download it you know, online. It's free from the U.S. Department of Justice to give to their police officers to try to get them to stop blowing away dogs. Um, we really wish that all 
academies, all states would mandate this training uh, because it's, it's very simple. If a dog's coming at you, usually you can use n- numerous tools um, instead of, of lethal force to stop the dog, and that's what we're trying to get across to the officers. There's a force continuum you would use just like you use when you're dealing with people. Exactly. Now, uh, uh, Kristen, I want you to do the main questions here. Right, because I want to be juggling the phone lines and everything. And I've got to say, um, Lady, that the thing with Kristen is she's done a lot of hard work behind the scenes. She's done loads of different, uh, helped so many different people. And I've got to say to everybody that's listening, most of you, if you've had your dog shot by the police, at some point you probably will have spoken to Kristen. And if you haven't, you need to, okay? <laughs> so, Kristen, go on, you ask the questions to Lady. You know what you want to ask and what, what we need to get out there as well. Um, well, I'm curious if or what type of training you think is um, a good training model for the police officers, and should it be specific for different types of departments, like high-density areas versus rural areas, things of that nature? Well, it, it can be depending on if for high density, probably the SWAT teams and, and Jim Crosby, who's going to be on later, could probably answer that better than I. Um, but but the this canine behavior, you know, is, is pretty simple. I mean, the dogs in urban areas are the same dogs you have in, in rural areas. Areas, And, and the thing that, that I'm always amazed at is dogs are simple to read compared to people. Yeah. I mean, you know, that you can, you can look at a dog and know, like, whoa, or, you know, wiggle butt. <laughs> so, right. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's just so but, – but so many officers nowadays – don't grow up with dogs, and they don't know really how to read them. And when you tell them that it's easier than reading a person and you show them the example, um, they do basically kind of get it. I I teach at the University of Illinois Police Training Institute, and we do a a two-hour course with an hour in dog behavior, you know, basically showing them, you know, stiff, you know, means some caution, um, you know, wiggle butts, you you know, usually very, very fine, and then go into the force continuum of what to use. You know, you can use flashlights, batons, fire extinguishers, um, bullhorns, pepper spray. There's been, um, you know, new. there's been studies that show the pepper spray works great on dogs. I mean, in national parks, they use it on bears. So, <laughs> you know, you don't think right. it would be used on, on dogs. Tasers, you know, if you can't the taser and shoot, tasers work very, very well on dogs. So there's a number of things you can do. You know, and and a great lieutenant that I know, he carries treats in his pocket. (laughs) And he, Mm -hmm. you know, throws them out, and he's never been bitten. He's been on the force for like 20 years now. But, you know, he always has dog treats with him. So there's a variety of tools a a good officer can use. Well, Sorry, just to put in there, Kristen, but, you know, I'm actually in the U.K., and everybody finds that funny that I'm doing a show from the U.K. about dogs being shot by police in America, but what the, I love the fact that I can hold the ace card and say, but the U.K. at the end of the day have got police on our streets that deal with the same things that um, the American police um, do, but they've got no guns on them. Guns exactly. is not even an option. So for those American police that say, oh, but we have to deal with this and the the UK police have to do exactly the same, and they have to deal with dogs, but the guns aren't even in their pockets to even have an option. That, that is a great point, Sue. And, and here, you know, in, in the United States, we have the UPS drivers, the meter readers, 
that you mm-hmm. know the the mailmen that are out dealing with with dogs every day, and they don't you know they don't have guns, but they have other tools at their disposal, and most of their agencies train them. So that's that's a huge difference, and and the police departments you know have really really fallen down. In the United States, there are um, law enforcement training and standards boards are their equivalent in every state. So so now there's a movement afoot to try to get them to mandate this training when they are redoing their curriculum. And Illinois is actually redoing their curriculum this year, so we're hoping they'll consider um, putting a dog behavior unit in in the um, curriculum. So did you um, did, did you set that up with them? Are you the one that asked them to do that? Um, actually, um, Director Slosher and, and the University of Illinois professors who are rewriting the curriculum are contemplating, do, you know, putting it in. So, uh, you know, I, I've offered to help with anything I can since I teach at mm-hmm. um, the University of Illinois Police Training Institute um, to show them, you know, what we teach and maybe they can, you know, um, alter it so it can go into all five police academies throughout the state. But really, you know, this needs to be in every state. I mean, basically we need every cop trained in this, and and not just in the academies, but, you know, the older officers too, especially those who have a history of shooting dogs. Um, You know, we need them retrained. Right. Uh, And and that's absolutely right. You know, I I find it quite, I must admit, with this America, I, I try to catch up with you guys of these different states and Kristen knows what I'm like my geography is not good in in America Um, but why is it that it's obvious to well okay I I won't say obvious but it's obvious to Joe Public of us that are looking in that the police need training all over the United States why is it that we have to have it so separate can it not just could, could we not be and maybe I'm speaking out of turn but could we not do it on a higher level so that the whole of the United States could be done at one time rather than doing right. individual states? Or is there a reason so why Sue, we've had to do individual one? So Sue is, is pretty much speaking from a federal level. Like what can the DOJ, you know, um, require this sort of policy to be implemented with every department? You know, they, they could, but Congress is so um, dysfunctional <laughs> <laughs> you know, they can't even they can't even get the sequester done. I mean, this would be. Um, I, I think it, it's better to tackle it on a state by state basis because most of the police training and standards boards there, there's some fe- things that are federally mandated, but usually um, each state depend you know does their own curriculum. The, the, now we the have had that, someone from the DOJ ask for us to start submitting stories to them. Good, um, but I was. Mm-hmm. Um, however, I just wasn't sure what to expect from it. No, I think I think that's great. And them putting forth this book, you know, I think is a huge, huge, huge step because before it really hadn't been talked about. But, the, you know, the, the reason why it's getting such play now is because of all the lawsuits. And, and you know, if, if I was a pet owner who's a police officer came on my property and shot my dog, I would sue them too, and I'm, you know, I'm pretty much law and order. But uh, these are these are members of my family, you know, and and if they were not doing anything and just trying to go up and say hi to the officer, and they took a gun out and shot them, then indeed I would I would sue. And you can sue under 42 U.S.C. 1983. 
um, basically. And and there have been some really, really big judgments that have shocked police departments, um, you know, for the, the the plaintiff, for the people whose dog has been injured. See, yeah, no, I think sure. in Illinois they've had almost a million dollars in 2012 payout. Is that right? There was one for 600 and something thousand, and a yeah, I mean they've had them, them all over. The, the The most infamous case is the um, Hell's Angels case with San Jose, where they I think got 1.2 million dollars. Yeah, um, yeah, the, that was the, in California. California. Yeah, for the three dogs that were shot. Um, in Maryland, I believe there was a, a case for 650000 I know there's been um, a number of cases with Chicago PD that have been in the $100,000 range. So, you know, it's getting more and more expensive, and many police departments are self-insured um, with all the budget cuts. You know, this is going to come out of, of their money. Um, so mm-hmm. it just it, it makes sense that they would want to train their officers. Yeah. Well, yeah, and I mean even for the officer safety. I mean. Yeah. yeah. And Definitely. one thing I've noticed, I've read a lot of um, reports done by you know outside parties who have reviewed um, training for police officers, and all of them always say that you know that it comes up short that they're not getting enough training every in every aspect which surprises me because they have such an important job. Um, you would think that they would have it all, you know, that they would give them every tool possible, you know, at their disposal. Yeah, and a lot um, of it, that is, is budget-driven because they're, they basically are, you know, while the, the six weeks they're at the academy or eight weeks, whatever it is, they are usually being paid by the police department, and so that's money that they're away at school and not on the streets. So um, many uh, police departments and, and, and police lobbyists, um, you know, really don't want the training extended because it's it's an economic impact in these, you know, rather troubled times. But but the trouble is it's actually costing them at the moment to be on the street when they've got such big amounts going out to people because their dogs are being shot by the police. Well, you know, and, and that is just going to increase because now more than, uh, I think, 120 law schools are teaching animal law. And, uh, you know, in days of yore, people didn't think that they could sue. But now, you know, with the advent of the Internet, with your wonderful show, Sue, I mean, people know that they could lawyer up and sue. You know, and I always recommend that people do sue in federal court as opposed to state court just because um, the the federal judiciary is used to dealing with 1983 cases, and they're used to, you know, people's constitutional rights being infringed, you know, like Mm -hmm. search and seizure issues. Uh, and so I think you have a, a better shot usually when you take these cases to federal court than if you take them to state court. Exactly. So, Letty, I mean, where where do you actually start? I'm, so let, I, I need to go back a little bit maybe sure. because I really need you to explain to people what exactly you are, where do you start the process of dealing with people who have had their dogs shot by police? Is, you know, sort of. I'm thinking that other people are listening to the show don't necessarily know all about you. Tell people where it all started for you, really, because they need to know more about you to be able to understand how you're coming in with this, but also where you want to go to with it. Sure. You know, what, sure. What's your ultimate goal, really? 
Um, I am an attorney, and I've been doing animal lobbying um, for about 30 years now. First, just on a local level, I worked for you know, the federal courts, the Illinois um, Appellate Court. And then um, I was hired by the ASPCA originally before uh, best friends lured me away. And during that time, I was able to um, lobby and get about 23 animal laws passed in, in Illinois. And so during that time, we, we passed, you know, we, we got really, really good laws passed, felony cruelty, um, and and the police officers, Chicago PD, came to me back when I was with the ASPCA PCA and said, would you train our officers in the animal abuse laws? And it was like, of course I would, no problem. And then um, after we did that training, I realized that there were many dog shootings going on. So as part of the training, um, basically we, we put in a lesson of dog behavior and a force continuum for canines, you know, how to basically read a dog and how to defuse the the situation without intervening. So I've, I've trained police officers in, in numerous states now, and, and that's why we were able to convince the U.S. Department of Justice Cops Office to do the book, The Problem of Dog-Related Incidents and Encounters, because there wasn't a tool out there, and we were able to go to the cops' office and say, look, you know, this is this is a huge problem for officers. This mm-hmm. is a safety issue because if a cop tries to shoot a dog and it ricochets and hits a kid, which has happened, you know, this is this is very very problematic. So for public safety, you know, we all want safe and humane communities for people and pets. That is our you know that is our goal. Best friends, you know, really does believe in in protecting people and pets. Uh, so that's why we, you know, I've, I've been involved in in police training for over um, 13 years now. All right, excellent. I mean, for me, I, I'm I'm still quite amazed that it's gone on for as long as it has. What do you think was the actual turning point where it's actually? I mean, because obviously I've only just recently, if you like, heard about it because I'm in the UK and started to do the show, and somebody just brought it to my attention. I think I got sent some videos, and sort of was screaming at the the, the laptop saying that can't be right. I know. You know, what do you think? It's actually you know the social networking and YouTube and everything that's made it go bigger, as in people can actually think they can do something more. Or is it just the fact that more shootings have actually taken place? Well, I think there there are more shootings. I mean, there's 72 million dogs in the United States. So, you know, you're more likely to encounter a dog than a terrorist. That's what I always thank God. You know, that's what I always tell the police. You know, so I love that. You, you better learn how to deal with the dog. Um, so, so it just, you know, uh, the social networks, the videos, the video camera, the the um, Jennifer Edwards is going to be on later, but the videotape showing Chloe being shot after, you know, being tased a couple times while on a control stick, if that wasn't egregious, I don't know what is. And to me, you know, dogs have come from our barnyard to our backyard to our bedroom. So now yeah. people view these as family members, and yeah. and we have these wonderful petitions you can do, like on Change.org. You know, you see the videos on YouTube. You're you're doing a show on this, so I think more and more people are realizing they can lawyer up 
And there's more animal attorneys out there who are willing to take these cases. Because if you do sue in federal court, you know, and you win, you get attorney's fees and court costs, too. You know, so so it's really, really a big hit. And that's why I think, you know, with more and more people going into law school to, to defend animals, I mean, that's kind of one of the reasons why I went in back in the day. But now now they have courses. They can they can learn this stuff. They they can figure out they can talk to other attorneys who have been successful in, in getting good judgments against police departments. Mm-hmm. And I and I think this is all going to, you know, uh, make the police officers, you know, and the the law enforcement training and standards board address what is what is happening simply because of the liability. Exactly. So what do you what do you suggest is the how do you suggest the best way is to approach the training board? Um, you know, it, it, it well, it, it depends. I I would try to in some places, like in Colorado, the, the new bill has been introduced, to tr- or it's going to be introduced to try to get them to mandate it. I think that's a wonderful measure to try. In Illinois, um, there is a bill that was introduced that would mandate that they um, train regarding dog fighting. We're going to try to contact the sponsor and see if they'll expand it to include canine behavior. But they do update their curriculum like Illinois is doing now. And so if you can figure out when the curriculum is getting updated, that might Mm -hmm. be a very, very good thing to do. Or in some states, if you can find out who is on the the Law Enforcement Training and Standards Board, start a petition on change.org, get their email addresses, and get people to sign up saying you need to include this as part of your curriculum. You know, okay. if, if they have the, the power to do that, um, you know, then it at least gets it on their radar that this is an issue. In Austin, um, you know, there was um, the Cisco case. Cisco was a, a dog that was shot in his yard, and uh, they, the owner went on social media. He didn't have a videotape of, of the shooting, but he had pictures of his dog, and Oodles of people signed the petition on change.org, and and the Austin police changed their um, force continuum to deal with a force continuum for animals. So so that's um, actually a perfect example. Um, Just really quick, in that, and why I was asking about um, training programs, because they they um, instituted a two-hour video, and about a month after they instituted the training. a dog was shot and killed. The dog was in its backyard and tethered to a tree. And literally all the cop had to do was take two steps back and the dog would not have been able to reach him. Um, so, you know, then it was a question of was that really a training issue or, like, where do you go with that? You know what I mean? Yeah. There, I there can feel an Sue oh. Rant coming on to that one. Yes. <laughs> That you know, there are some bad cops out there. You know, there are some people mm-hmm. that that do use excessive force, as we saw in the Rodney King case. Um, it, it just and and you want to weed those bad apples out because of liability. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, Lady. Can can I just come a step further by talking about the petitions? Now, I must admit, I love petitions, but I hate them. Yeah, I know. Okay. I love them because they get people together and people will come together because it's easy, it's good, it's effective. You get loads of people in one place and people will sign them to be able to make a change, okay? And that's fantastic. 
trouble is with petitions is they go out there, people sign them, but then the people don't hear anything after what's actually happened with that petition, which I find upsetting because it's really hard to get people together in a place in the first place without just letting them sign and then walk away, okay? Yes. But, Letty, you're saying that we need to get a petition together to be able to lobby certain things. I'm going to ask you a little favour now. Obviously, you know what you're doing. You know your wording and how to put it together. Is there any chance you could maybe put one together for us and we'll promote it? Sure, sure. But, but again, it's going to be, you know, different for each state. So that you well, know, and, and I, I obviously can't get the email addresses for each state. So if people would get have each, them. you know, the, the email addresses for all the folks, yeah. you know, right. I, I, I could, could, I could I help draft think... something. Yep. Sorry. Come on, Letty. Sure, sure. No, but I, I would be more than willing to help draft something um, to, for you guys to post and, and try to get it to the Law Enforcement Training and Standards Board. Well, well I can only... Sorry, go on. Uh, well, with change.org, um, is there an option to not allow comments, or is there any concern over the types of comments that are posted, um, you know, directing, directed towards police officers? Um, do you know what I'm saying? Well, you always want to be polite. I mean, it, it, it you know, and and un, unemotional. <laughs> even though this might be a very, it's a very emotional topic. But I, I do cringe when I, you know, see at wonderful activists who will take the time to go to city council or or talk before a board and try to get change and and break down in tears or you know <laughs> have a T-shirt with a picture of a dog that was killed on it. I mean, it's you have to be professional and you have to, you know at least be, you know, not obscene in the comments you were making or threatening because, you know, we, we are all, tr we're trying to, to make change and you won't be taken seriously if, you know, I agree. you use obscenity or if you show up, you know, in, you know, like, and it, it, yes, in, 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 in a t-shirt and, 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 yeah. <laughs> in the police, shall we say, we've got exactly the same in the human population in right. the sense of, God, that sounded terrible, and I'm making it sound like the police were in a, in a different line of, than the humans. Anyway, <laughs> we'll carry on. Um, but what I'm going to say is you'll always get the one person that doesn't hate, that hates police, never mind the fact if it shot the dog or not. And, and, and also, you are going to get the owner that literally three days ago had their dog shot by police, and of course they're going to be slating. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Then they're not going to be in the frame of mind of oh oh yes we want to train the police. Do you know what I mean? And I'm sure Kristen will back up with that. You know, you've got different situations and different lines of where people are up to after that incident. Well, and, th and that's oh, why sure. the owners should lawyer up and have their lawyers speak for them. <laughs> I mean, you you want them to do the the weepy interview on TV. That's fine, but in a hearing, probably not so much. Yeah, yeah. So um, would you suggest to that the petitions always be aimed towards the training boards or, you know, there's been a lot of, there's been some going around for Congress, for the White House, um, you know, and some for police chiefs or sometimes the mayor. I mean, you know, it's gotten very just 
they're going everywhere at this point. So it's, we need to be more focused and make sure we're addressing the correct people or there's no point because if it's yes. not someone who can make change, that it's just, you know, it's just going to be a disappointment. Yeah, well, but, you know, I think that if there is an incident in a town, it's very appropriate to email the police chief and the city council members because they can mandate that their department gets trained, and that would be very, very quickly. They could, like in Austin, you know, even though maybe with the one officer it was not effective, you know, hopefully with other officers it was effective, and they can mandate that, you know, you know, w- within a week or two. Uh, so, so you would want those incidents to be quicker. But, but for systemic change, like to get it into the curriculum, you're going to have to, to either get the senators to introduce a bill or, you know, uh, the state senators are basically uh, the, the law enforcement training board to add it to their curriculum. So do you think that the petitions for the White House and Congress can go anywhere? Like can't, can they do something? I'm sorry, say that again, Kristen? The petitions for the White House and Congress, like, you know, well, they, what you know, can they do? They, I, I personally think Congress is a lost cause right now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> They're behaving with you so so badly that you yes. know it's just yes. it, you know they're not going to do it. I I just I just don't see them working together for anything. Sure, absolutely. <laughs> I think everyone can agree on that. Yeah. Right. Well, I'm sorry to interrupt. But I've got somebody waiting on the line, and I really wanted to start the show as well with you, Lady, of course. But also, I wanted to bring somebody in that's actually having to deal with this actual incident, you know, recently because. You will get the people that say, oh, well, one didn't happen recently. It's been like two months ago since one happened or whatever. Do you know what I mean? Now, um, I've got Kimberly um, on the line. Hold on a minute. Hi, Kimberly. How are you doing? Hi, Sue. How are you? I- I'm okay, thank you very much. Thank you very much for coming on the show. Yes, no problem. Now, can you um, please tell us, uh, well, I don't want, obviously, it's very raw at the moment. You just say what you want to say about what's been going on with you the last few days. Well, on Monday, the past Monday, my dogs uh, got out of the gate. They were loose, and they were picked up by animal control and um, without incident. And I picked them up, got them home safe, and so be it. Um, but at the time that the dogs were loose, I happened to be asleep. I have a nine-month-old baby, and I was awoken to pounding, loud pounding on my door, and I looked outside, and it was a cop, so I jumped out of the bed um, and, you know, tried to rush to the door. He was still pounding as I got to the door, and I opened the door, and they basically, you know, he was standing there, and animal control was also standing out there and uh, at my gate, and he had said, you know, hey, your dogs are loose, and I said, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry, I, I didn't realize, you know, I've been sleeping with the baby, and the officer kind of was, uh, you know, the other lady said, yes, both your dogs are out, I've already got the older one, um, but the little one is still running around, and I said, okay, and she said, I said, I'll definitely come out and try to find him. And um, he's and I said, I'm so sorry, I didn't realize. And the officer said, how did you not know? Your dogs have been running around for three hours. And I said, you know, excuse me, again, I was asleep. Um, I'm sorry that I didn't know. And he got really rude with me. And I said, you know, you don't need to be rude with me. You don't need to have an attitude. And he told me I needed to shut my mouth. And uh, I said, no, I don't need to shut my mouth. I think you need to get off my property. So at that point, he left. And I told the lady, I'm very sorry. I, I don't care for him. And I um, 
you know, I'll come for the dog. So I shut the door and went in. And then, uh, you know, she ended up getting the dog. I picked them up without incident. And three days later, my dog was shot by that same officer. Um, as far as I know, that's what I'm being told. Uh, his name is Jeffers. And also, I. Uh, so what actually happened that morning, nobody here was home when the shooting occurred. It was 7.40 in the morning, and there was calls made to the police that uh, my dogs were loose and that they were... There were kids going to the bus stop, and the dogs were barking at the kids. Uh, two officers showed up at my house, according to my neighbors, and um, they were chasing him around my yard, trying. and they got my bigger one and put her in the gate, and they were chasing Norton around. He's the younger of the two, and chasing him around the yard to try to get him in the gate. Um, and according to the officer, the dog came at him and was aggressive. Uh, the two neighbors that saw it, one of them said that she could only see the back half of the dog. She could see his butt and his tail, and he was standing still when he was shot. And the other lady, the other neighbor, was actually walking um, the, the officers a leash to try to catch the dog. And as she was approaching them, about 25 feet away from them, she said that the officer was the one that took two steps forward towards the dog and shot the dog at least four times in the head. And um, she definitely said it was an unjustified shooting. And both neighbors said that um, it was just an unjustified shooting, and it, and it was uncalled for. I've gotten some support from the neighborhood that, um, you know, they were blocked in traffic because my dog was cowering in the middle of the road with his tail between his, his tail between his legs and his ears back and shaking as the two officers were blocking my driveway for him to get into his own yard. So that's basically the um, only information I have right now because the police report isn't available yet. And he was shot in your driveway, correct? Yes, he was in my driveway, right at the edge of the driveway. Get a lawyer. <laughs> yeah. Ma'am, I, believe me, I'm working on that. <laughs> I am working <laughs> on that. I do need some legal advice very badly, and I'm, I'm anxiously awaiting some calls. So, well, um, uh, Kim, I, I've just been told by somebody that, uh, and that's Kristen, that apparently you and Leddy are in the same state. Yes, yes, she did tell me that. Mm-hmm. So, okay. so let, And I, let, gave, I gave her um, the number for Amanda Antholt with Smith, Johnson, and Antholt, um, and they've handled um, a prior case that settled at $330,000. Right, and right. Mm-hmm. And then yes. they're currently taking on the Fat Man case as well. Good. Yes, and I'm so thankful. And um, you know, I have um, and I've gotten another number through through you, Sue. I've left them a message as well. Um, so yes, I, I'm going to call them tomorrow. That's the first thing on my agenda in the morning is to definitely you know secure a lawyer. Excellent. Now I just want to say, um, Lady, can. There's obviously going to be other people. Of course, you'll get the people that say that'll never happen to me. And uh, it's like everything, you know. That there's always a chance. I'm sure, you know, Kim, you would have said two weeks ago, you know, it will never happen to me. And and here we are. Lady, what what advice do you give to anybody that's just had their dog shot by the police? They found the show. What information can you actually give to people what they should or shouldn't do at the first beginning, as soon as their dog is shot? I, I, again, I would contact an attorney as soon as possible. Um, somebody who is used to dealing with um, police cases, you know, going after the police for use, of, you know, excessive use of force. 
um, are an animal attorney. The um, I, I was the um, immediate past chair of the American Bar Association's Animal Law Committee, and we do have a list of animal lawyers um, throughout the United States. Also, most states now have um, animal law committees. So usually if you get in touch with them, they'll be able to tell you who would, you know, handle these cases. If you know, Because sometimes, unfortunately, attorneys don't think that you can sue under 42 U.S.C. 1983. Um, they just, oh, it's a dog, you're just going to get property value, um, you know, no sentimental damages, um, so I'm not going to take the case. But with, you know, since this is a violation of your constitutional rights, you know, this violates search, you know, um, and seizure. Seizure definitely. Search if they've, you know, gone onto your property um, and, and uh, there's been privacy issues involved. So, so these are constitutional issues. You need somebody who will specialize in that. And, and again, under 42 U.S.C. 1983, court costs and attorney's fees will be paid if you win. Mhm. Okay. And another thing you all, and also, you know, um necropsies. Yes. Necropsies. You definitely want to have a, a necropsy done on the dog. Um you don't okay. want them, you know, you need them to preserve the evidence. You need to get it to somebody good as soon as possible. And I would also download the US Department of Justice um book uh for for the attorneys too so they can use that as evidence um that the US Department of Justice you know, has a, a, a you know a suggested force continuum for dogs. Okay, what does that mean as far as uh, the, the the U.S. Department of Justice? I'm sorry, can you clarify for yeah, me? Yeah, ba- basically, it's just good that there is you know a handbook out that the police can use to dissuade you know to dissuade dogs, and it can be used okay. as evidence that there is there are things available that the cops did not follow. Okay, great, great. I'll send it to you right now, Pam. I'm sorry, what was that? I'm sending it to you right now. Okay, thank you, Christian. Excellent. Now, Kim, very quickly, obviously, you know, um, we've got you've got the justice for Norton, and and I've just uh, put the page in the chat, and just to let everybody know that um, Kim's also set up a petition as well. Um, and that is also on causes.com, Justice for Norton. The link is in the chat room, but also will be on my blog straight after the show. All the links from the show will be put on my blog straight after. Um, but I, I just want to say, you know, if anybody please could share that, that petition, let's get it out there. You know, we need to be making a difference. These petitions, like Letty's already said, are making a difference, and they can make the changes that we want. So, um, you know, Kim, I know that you're going through a very hard time at the moment, and, you know, it's very difficult, you know, for people that are going through it. But obviously when, when you've gone through this, it's good for people to be able to take their mind off it by getting these things out there and literally to be able to make a difference. Absolutely. It's it is honestly the only thing that's that's keeping me from bawling my eyes out every minute of the day. I have my little moments, you know, but um for the most part I'm on Facebook reading the comments that people are putting, thanking the people that are sharing and it's keeping me busy and it's it's turning this negative into a positive for me and um that his name is out there. You know, this poor puppy just wanted love and attention and you know, now he's getting it. So, I mean, that just keeps me going. It's not easy. It's not easy to um, just not lay in bed all day, of course. But, yeah. yeah. But I'm, I'm now, doing this to to make a change 
for somebody else as well. I don't even, you know, I just, I would never want anyone else to feel this pain. And Kristen, like, you know how it how it feels. You've been through it. Um, it's a terrific. And, uh, you know, we need, we definitely need to make something change because it's just not okay to come on to someone's property and kill their animal or their, you know, their family member. Exactly. Okay. Now, so uh, Jim, Jim Cosby, I'm just going to fetch... I'm just going to fetch Jim on because I can feel that he, he he obviously... Let's fetch the two of them on, I tell you what. Let's just fetch both Jims on. Welcome to the show, Jim Crosby and Jim Osario. Um, Jim Crosby, I, I'm going to say Jim C and Jim O, I think, because I could be going mad otherwise. Jim C, <laughs> welcome to the show. Uh, there's loads you want to say in the chat room, so go ahead. <laughs> I was just saying that um, one of the important things is remember that if, if one of these things happens... The dog is evidence. Uh, if it's even if it's going to be evidence for a civil case that you're pursuing. So, um, if the police or animal control sees your dog, you need to insist on getting it back in the same condition you, that it left you in, not as a pile of ashes uh, like we were hoping to deal with Lennox. Um, get it back intact. And you need to have a necropsy, which is the animal version of an autopsy, done. You need to have it done, hopefully, by a vet that's independent of any law enforcement, uh, not necessarily, for instance, the vet that does all the police dogs or, the, or whatever. Right. Um, and ideally, the, the number of forensic veterinarians in the country is growing. I belong to an organization called the International Veterinary Forensic Science Association, and it's forensic professionals, veterinarians, behaviorists, trainers, investigators like myself, all working together in the field of, of veterinary forensics, not just for cruelty cases, not just for fighting cases, but also for other cases involving animals. So ideally... Uh, reach out to, if you've got a university with a veterinary school attached, that's the most likely place that you're going to find a forensic veterinarian and see if you can get that veterinarian because they have the experience and they have the, uh, the, the academic and physical credentials to be able to say, yes, this is an entrance wound, yes, this is an exit wound, um, so, so yeah, you definitely get a um, get a necropsy, and then after the necropsy, either have it extremely well documented, or even still, as painful as it might be, have your vet or somebody store the animal's body for further examination if if it becomes a legal question. Uh, you you know, it's it's nasty that you know your best friend George is, is sitting in a freezer somewhere, but uh, getting George justice is, uh, you, you can honor George's memory later. Do the positive thing by making sure that justice for George is taken care of first. And also your necropsies need to be done in a certain amount of time. So just remember that as well. Oh, yeah, as soon as possible. Yeah, okay. yeah don't, don't I have hesitate. A Get it done as soon as possible. Okay, I have oh, yeah, a quick question now. I'm sorry. It, it happened on Thursday, so is and I do have his body. Um, if I go ahead tomorrow, is that you think that would be sufficient time, or is it too late? Or is, is he in a cooler or preserved somehow? Yes, yes, he is. Yes. 
Yeah, that's, that should be fine. It's um, never too late. It, Let the veterinarian make that no. decision. Not yeah. Right. I mean, but I've been involved in cases where we've exhumed animals that have been buried for a, a substantial period of time and still been able to do a forensic necropsy and determine cause of death and, inju- and injuries and wounds. But as, as Jim Asario, hi, Jim, nice to finally meet you. you. Uh, <laughs> as Jim is telling you, um, again, the sooner the better. And uh, if, if you can keep it unfrozen, it makes the vet's job easier. They don't have to wait for them. And I know it sounds gross, but they don't have to wait for them to thaw out because you can't cut up a solid frozen body. Is good. Refrigerate, don't freeze. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I've, I've so, been involved in, in, in several uh, forensic necropsies, and, you know, sometimes the last one I was involved in, we had to wait overnight because the dogs were frozen. And there's still some stuff we couldn't do that day. We had to wait even longer because, uh, you know, a 100-pound body, whether it's human or otherwise, takes a while to, to thaw all the way through. Yes. Now, can I just ask you, Jim, see, um, how long after? So let's just say that somebody's listening to the show, they haven't dealt with it in a way because they couldn't cope with it, they've buried their dog, they've not done anything about it. How long can it be after that they're buried that they can actually, sorry, everybody, but take back up the bodies and actually have them checked over and, you know, all the checks done? How long after can they leave it? It, it can be a while. Um, the, the most skilled person in this that I'm personally aware of is Dr. Melinda Merck out of Atlanta. I've been through her coursework, and we, we trade information all the time. Um, in one of the cases, in, in a class that I took with Melinda, uh, we actually dug up cats that had been in the ground for six months in, in, to instruct us on how to do animal crime scene and clandestine, what we call clandestine grave excavation. We could still get a lot of information after six months. Um, it depends on your climate. It depends on to- the temperature of the soil. It depends on the acidity of the soil. The sooner the better. You don't want to wait for six months, but just because it's been a long time, it's worth reaching out to somebody who's qualified and can do it to see. Because, for instance, with a gunshot wound, um, you're talking about recovering bullets. And I was involved directly in a case and actually did the necropsy where um, parties claimed that the dog had been shot with, with X type of weapon. And by doing a necropsy, I was able to recover the rounds expended into the dog, and they were a different kind of round. And that was the first step to showing that the initial story we were given was false. Even with a dog that had been dead for several days at that point, I could also show the path of the wounds and... um, where the person had to have been standing when they fired at the at the animal, which again conflicted with the story. So it's it's it, the sooner the better, but it may not be too late. It just depends on on each case. Exactly. Yeah. Um. Oh, John, I've just seen something I wanted to read. Hold on one second. Um. Uh, thank you very much, Kristen, for putting the list of new um, attorneys into the chat room as well, and all of these links will be put into the blog. Um, 
Um, what was I going to say to you? I'm just reading that mm-hmm. Sonny Murphy's just put freezing kills the tissue. So does this, is this actually a problem? Is, is, is it an effect to it if we actually freeze it then? What, are, what do you suggest is the best to put them in the, a cool place rather than freezing and getting them Because it's got to be somebody independent, doesn't it? You want you want Jim, you I want think to almost a regular refrigerator. Okay. I'm sorry, Jim. I, we couldn't hear you on that one. Um, it should be just like your regular refrigerator, that temperature. Yeah. Okay. Uh, freezing kills it kills it, and and also freezing ruptures cells from the from the uh, from the, uh, the 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 expansion of the water within the cell bodies. But most of the injuries we're going to be talking about. Are, are are fairly gross injuries as far as you know as as opposed to uh, subcellular and uh, blood work kind of stuff. So you know, keep it cool, yeah. but if you gotta freeze it, that doesn't that doesn't trash the situation. We're still okay. It, it and it's better than nothing. Yeah, I've just got to read. Leddy, you're absolutely right. Um, in the chat room, she's Leddy just put about folks seeing a cop encounters a dog should. Videotape the incident, even if it isn't your dog. And just to back that up, I want to say to everybody, it's not just, um, oh gosh, I feel like I'm having a rant here, but the police have also got incidents with innocent people, not just dogs. There is a lot of people that are being um, shot by the police that are innocent, which is a different story. But at the end of the day, in this day and age, we should all be videoing. If it's an incident with somebody else, it doesn't matter what it is, video it. We should all be watching each other's back. It doesn't matter if it's with the police or it's with somebody else or whatever. If there's an incident and you think that evidence is going to be good if you video it, then video it. We should all be yeah, watching and, each and other's back, whatever the situation and, is. And Lady's absolutely right. Hi, Lady. Um, the, the, it, the video in the case of Chloe in Commerce City, Colorado, is going to wind up being a critical linchpin on what, was, what happened versus what was claimed. The video of the current, the latest one, which I've only partly gone through so far, from Syracuse, New York, that video that was from the police dash cam is extremely telling as to exactly what happened and what was said rather than the reporting of somebody later who may or may not have seen everything. Exactly. Right. Those were different types of videos there. Mm-hmm. I saw, I saw yeah, one Syracuse was, one the other my, day. Yeah, one was by the, the Chloe case was by the person across the street, and right, actually and he wasn't it wasn't as a, good. Yeah, yeah you couldn't iPhone. really. You had no words being said, nothing. You didn't know what was going on on that one. Um, yeah, on on the on the one from Chloe, Jim, I've got the original, and there there is some audio. Oh, is um, there? Okay. Yeah, on the original there is some audio, and Jennifer Edwards, who's going to be on here later on, I believe, uh, is, is who I was dealing with with that. The one from the dash cam, there's a lot of audio. And did, right, have you yeah. seen that one from Syracuse? Yeah, I actually just saw that the other day. Yeah, and that's, again, again, the, the, the videos in these things um, are extremely telling as to uh, what, what not only physically what happened, but when you've got that, that first-person uh, audio to, to kind of give it some insight into what the officer is perceiving. Which right. is critical. Right, right. And yeah. so, um, to go back to your earlier conversations when you were talking, and everybody was talking about suing and suing and suing. Um, I don't know if anybody's going to hate me for this, <laughs> but, <laughs> but 
it's not about suing. It's not about getting the money. We know there's a problem, and we need to address that problem also in the lawsuit. You can't just yeah. – if you're just going to sue for the money, problem's not going to be solved. It's not I agree, going to be solved. 100%. There's going to be more shootings and everything else. You need to add in the lawsuit that these people need to be trained. Because if you don't add that in there, guess what? You know what? They're going to cut you a check, see you later, and wait for the next incident. You yeah, do not really want to wait it. for the next incident. And, that and that's, what Cindy, that's what Cindy Bowling to. did. It, when you talk to Cindy Bowling, that's what she did. She went forward and did the training, got all the training set up, which I did for Fort Worth Police Department. And that's what you want. Mm-hmm. You want to train these people. You know, yeah, to, to a, fair, a book. A, a book and, and usually is great. It's, and, and Letty, that book that the Justice Department put out, it, it's a good book, but mm-hmm. it's a book. I know. Are you gonna? Do you know these officers are gonna read it? You don't know. No, that's no, why that's why you need somebody. And that's why there needs them. to be hands-on training. Indeed. There Indeed. needs yeah. to be hands-on training. Because yeah, as, as I agree a absolutely. Former police I agree officer, you know what? Jim, and, uh, as a former and, police uh, officer, I got books. I got all this other stuff to read all the time. But you know what? It's not the same as when you get somebody in there. They can talk to you all day about the subject. Yeah. You get a yeah, lot more, plus you can ask questions to that person. And especially when you get somebody like you or me who's got a law enforcement background, and we can say, been there, done that, got the T-shirt, and I don't want to hear your crap about this doesn't work because <clears throat> I've been there and it works. And I, and I agree with you yep. that you not only have to do the training, but then you've also got the ability to hold them responsible later for depart on an individual basis for departing from training. Right. That's, and that's why I say like books, you know, a couple hour video here and there. Yeah, I could watch videos all day long. That's not going to make, that's not going to make me an expert at what I got to do now. You know, mm-hmm. you need someone in there that can actually show them hands. And that's why we bring a dog to our course also. And it's not a dog where you see all these dog, these canine officers where the dog bites the sleeve and everything else. That's not what we want. We want to teach them how to handle the dog. A strange dog. You know, I brought mm-hmm. my dog, Coral, to the course. I actually had a police officer. They kept telling me, oh, this guy can you know, he can walk into a barroom brawl. He can toss people aside like it's no problem. Scared of dogs. When I brought, brought him first into class, he barricaded himself in the corner with tables and chairs so Coral wouldn't get near him. By the end of the class, he was fine with her. He's petting her. He's fine with her. And that's what you need to do. You know, an eight-hour course is the best thing for all police officers on this topic. Yeah. The, the problem is, is I brought, you know, one of my pit bulls to the classes, too, and it just depends on the, the department whether they'll allow you to bring a dog in that isn't a service dog or a, or a police dog. That's, that's never, never had that problem. Uh, you know, I, I've had academy. different departments. <laughs> Liability. They always worry. I go all over the country with Coral, the police departments, and that's all I deal with is police departments on, on the officer survival subject of this. And uh, never had a problem. Coral's dealt with so many people, and everybody loves her. You know, it depends on the dog, too. I mean, you know, and, and nothing against, I mean, we're, we're, we're actually a law enforcement academy, mostly for animal control and everything. But, you know, and they look at that, too. They don't, they don't look at the individual. They'll look, oh, well. These guys are reputable. They've been around for a while. You know, that's what I'm saying. And it's, and I'm not patting me on the back for that, but I know how the law enforcement mentality is on certain things. So, so how long um, do you actually do the training for, Jim? Explain what your um, so training procedure eight, is and how long it's for. It's, it's an eight-hour course. 
Um, it's PowerPoint and hands-on. Um, go over everything. Everything from when the dog started. We go over the history of the dog. Uh, we go over behaviors, body languages. We actually have officers come up and try things. We, we teach them how to approach an injured dog, how to muzzle a dog. Uh, we go over the tools that are out there. We train them on the tools that are out there, the basic tools. And also, you can't train all police officers. Like The only thing you can train them on is what they're carrying at the time. That's, I mean, that's our philosophy because they don't carry everything else that's out there. So you need to, all right, this, this officer might carry a taser in her department, but that officer doesn't. So now i got to train this officer that doesn't carry a taser on all the other stuff he carries, plus i also got to train the other officer that does carry the taser. So that's why we always ask what they carry on their belt. I call them the Batman belts, but uh, they carry everything now. But everything, I don't, and I don't train them on the gun. Because yeah. I don't, I don't have to train you how to shoot. You, you better, you better know how to shoot already if you have to shoot. Anybody yeah. can pull a gun and pull the trigger and shoot and kill something. Anybody can do that. I'm training everything less lethal. I don't want any lethal stuff because anybody can shoot and kill a dog. That's not a problem or a person. The problem they and don't have is. Of, oh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, they've had plenty. They've had plenty of training on how to shoot. What exactly. We need, what we need to be able to do is establish. How what not your to alternatives shoot. Alternatives are everything and that, from what you're and carrying that's what I do. to what you, you know, can I bring control poles yeah. in so they can learn how to use them and stuff. You know, Animal Control's been using the control pole forever. You know, and and if Animal Control doesn't know how to use the control pole, then you got a whole other issue because mm-hmm. that's what you expect. Animal Control, they should be knowing how to use it, and, and they should know how to use different types of you know equipment. You know, I, I used to do Animal Control too, and. You know, I've I've actually walked on scenes, get a call report of a vicious dog, get there, and I have police officers actually on top of cars with their guns yep. out, and you you just walk up because you know the animal behavior, and this is what I want to teach police officers. You just walk up, and you can actually just put a leash on the dog and walk away with them, and they're scared on yep, top of cars. There. Been there. You know, <laughs> and and that's what I want to teach them. I want to teach them what I know how to approach these animals. You know, I've never had to shoot a dog, even as a police officer, never had to shoot a dog, never had to pull my gun out on a dog. Not that a gun, you know, even if you pull your gun out, the dog's going to be like, oh, my God, he's got a gun. It's not going to work like that, not like a person. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Exactly. But, Jim, how, what is the response from the police officers? Now, obviously, I don't want their names and addresses, the ones, you'll always get one, I mean, do you know what I mean? But how have you actually found the response to, from the police? Are they saying, thank goodness you're here, Jim, we've needed this for a long time? Oh, yeah. We always get an evaluation form at the end, and I would say not all, because there's always that one person. Yeah. Um, but I would say a good 90, 95% of them are all positive and they're, they thank God for the training and everything else, you know, that it's out there. We, we also do a train the trainer program, um, where we actually teach departments if they want it so they can teach their own officers, um, the way they want to teach them and we can make train and trainer instructors. And we have quite a few of those. Yeah. Excellent. Now, Okay, then the big question is, have you heard of any of the police that you've actually trained go out and shoot a dog after it? Now, I'm not questioning your training. I would ask, this is not to a trainer in specific. Do you know what I mean? I'm saying, you, it's how so, effective it's, it's is it? to question my training. That's okay. Because <laughs> if you don't ask questions, you're not going to get any results. Exactly. <laughs> 
Do, do you know what I mean? But what what is the overall impact of your training done? You know, what do you as get far feedback? As, I, months as far after? as I know, nobody's nobody shot any dogs after we've actually done the training with that with those officers. Excellent, excellent. Right now, obviously, it's quite a few on the line now, so it's going. I'm going to try and juggle here. Okay, um, okay. Kristen, have you got any questions to ask anybody in, individual? Actually, um, my question is, um, okay, hold on. I've been at a long list. Um, with police reports, you know, a lot of times these reports are very subjective. It just says the dog acted aggressively, but it doesn't say how. It doesn't give actions of what the dog did. You know what I mean? It just sounds yeah, like a subjective it, testimony. Um, what are, what can be done about that. <laughs> crazy. Actually, at, the, at the end of our course, our, uh, that I court, that yeah, I can't even talk right now. <laughs> at the end of my course that we teach for the academy here, we actually mm-hmm. do a report writing section. There's certain things that need to be in the report, and that's that's the problem. There's a lot of them. They're not. They're, they're thinking, oh, it's an animal. I don't have to put all that information in there like I would as a person. And you're wrong. You need all that information in there. I actually, I'm not going to mention the department, but I actually had a department ask me if they could help me because they thought they were going to be sued because one of their officers shot a dog. I said, you know, send me the report. I'll look at it. You know what the report said in it? Report of an aggressive dog, arrived on scene, dog barked, shot dog, end of report. And that's usually what they say. In the oh, narrative. please and it's like, just give me his name and number. I'll ring him from the show now. I'd love to speak to him. <laughs> it's a, it's a, I actually, I actually, I actually called the chief back and told him, you know, there's nothing. Even as an expert witness, nothing I can do for you. Just oh, sign a blank them. check and just give it to him. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I told him. I mean, on a on a narrative like that, I can't help you. Oh, right. Jim, just next time, give them my number, please, and tell them to go <laughs> into the show. We'll help them and advise them. <laughs> You know, and, and your narrative is the big, and that's what I tell them. Your narrative is the most important part. I don't care what you put in there, in the other little spaces, the pers- owner's information, all that stuff. It's how you write that narrative. Uh, if you yeah. don't write the narrative right, and you're doing things wrong in it, it's going to come back and bite you. And well, I don't and, mean and that as a punk, but. <laughs> Yeah. And now we're seeing so many police officers who are used to, like, visually IDing the breed of a dog, which usually right. they're wrong on. And, and Dr. Victoria... Well, and, and that's the other shows, thing I tell them, you know, because yeah, you don't, Coral, you don't she's, she's a German Shepherd. I go, I ask people in my class, what kind of dog is she? And they go, German Shepherd. How do you know she's a German Shepherd? Well, she looks like one. Doesn't mean she is. So you always want to put that type or mix. She's a German Shepherd ty- or a Shepherd type, Shepherd mix. You never want to put the specific breed in a report unless you know the specific breed and you got paperwork saying it's at that specific breed. Well, and actually, you know, I, it I makes you look like that a, an idiot by, if you don't know what you're talking about. Well, yeah, yeah, and you're going to be impeached by a good attorney on the stand, and you don't need exactly. to avoid that. The defense you, attorney will pick on those just one of those little words that you might make a mistake on, and, and all they're doing is bringing your credibility down. But even still, it still makes you look bad. It makes them look bad, and it, and it could lead to liability. And so that's why we suggest that you describe the dog by it's approximately 40 pound, long haired black right. dog with a yeah, just, you know, with blue eyes. That's it. Yes. Like you would yeah. any property crime. Oh, yeah. 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 So, um, Kristen, yeah. go on. Have another go. Next. Okay. <laughs> so my next question would be, um, you know, suggestions about 
policies. So just because the police officers have been have changed or the training has been implemented doesn't mean that um, you know they are requiring anything to change in their behavior. So would any suggestions like what would you suggest for policies for police policies? There's got to be a, there's got to be a policy. I mean, and every that's. But I mean, uh, I mean, I don't I don't want to be the only one talking, but. <laughs> um, Use I guess what I'm asking is there's a there's a use yeah, of force exactly. policy. Every department has a use of force policy, but it's geared towards people. You need right. to have a and use of force policy animals, geared towards animals. You know, and usually like, with a, animals, like the they baton just have to be scared. Like and a that's baton. All that is I mean, most most police officers carry a baton. There's a policy on that, but there's a difference. Using a baton on a person and then using a baton on an animal are two different things. And that's, we have a use of force section that we go over actually in the course as well, and we, we tell them that I'm not here to change your policy. That is up to you. You don't want to change your policy, it's all on you. But this is the way you need to do your policy if you're going to start interacting with animals. And that's mm -hmm. what we go over, all the stuff they carry, how to use on animals. We, we don't care how you use it on people because we're not here to train you on people. We're here to train you on the animal. Sure. So, and, this, and they need right. the they, everybody needs a policy on the animals. So if you're going to start being involved with animals and dealing with these encounters, then you need a policy on it. Yeah. Jim C., is there anything you'd like to add to that? Uh, I can just agree 100% with Jim on that, that there has to be a policy, and we have very detailed policies that have been built up over a long time on dealing with humans, and there's a clear progression. And we just need to transfer that over and apply it to, to interactions with animals. Because if we're going to use, the, it, it, you know, using deadly force against an animal, as as uh, Lydia's mentioned, it's a, it's a matter of a legal taking. No matter what the status of the animal is, it's still a legal taking. And so we have policies for taking a person's life or health or safety. We have policies for taking away somebody's automobile. We can't just walk up and take your car away from you. We have policies for for seizing property. So we just need the departments need clear and not just uh, you know vague, uh, just there to, to as a space filler, but clear policies regarding the the escalation and reasonable use of force against animals. Sue, so, I have a quick yes. question on that note. How would I go and find out what their policy is at the department you know that I'm dealing mm -hmm. with? You should That's be able to. It's open records. They should have it okay. under the open records law. But every department should have a policy. If they don't have a policy and can't produce it, that means they don't have one. Okay. Yeah. Great. And one more quick question on that. I did go down and file a, a, an official complaint with Internal uh, Affairs, and my question is: when you know, once they do their investigation, do they? How will I know what's going on with that? Like what? Are there obligations to me after that investigation, Jim C? You should get you should get an answer as as far as whether they whether they found it justified, unjustified, or so forth and so on. The level of detail you get may be limited as far as what actual discipline they apply, but you should get some kind of an answer. Just remember, their answer doesn't make the decision on what else you do. Um, right. There, for instance, their answer may be the officer complied with the uh, 
the rules in place by our department. Now, their department's rules may be, and I know this is a fact in some places because, for instance, in Washington State, it says a police, a, a, a sheriff's department may shoot a dog running at large, period. Now, it doesn't ask whether it's reasonable or whether it's a threat or anything. Their old law says they can do that. And, so and there's Washington a lot of those State, old laws on their books right yeah. now. So in Washington State, in several cases that I've been involved in, we've had police shooting animals, and the law says they could because it says they could just shoot them because. Um, so just because you get an answer that the um, the department says it's within their training and guidelines, that's not the end of the road. That's just simply more information for you to pass to your attorney because then you have the op the ability to, and Lady could answer this better, to open basically a, ki a, ki uh, a can of kick butt on them and use that, that incident to, as a lever to pry that policy into um, a better place. Brady, can you jump in there? Um, sure, sure. Basically, you you do want to get the the records, and you want to you want to give it to your attorney. But I do think it's good for the attorney to to be the go between between the person and the uh, the department, because I think Jim was right in that you do want training to be a part of any settlement, and and that yes. should be at least you know part of your goal. But but the reason why it's so important to sue for monetary damages is because many times if you don't they won't pay attention. You know, in, in the San Jose case, um, I was at a, a training in D.C. where, you know, it was a force continuum um, seminar, and I asked the question, do you guys have a force continuum or recommend one regarding animals? And a police officer from San Jose, who they had just gotten the verdict, was there. And it started out, you know, all these departments had been sued, and that's what was getting their attention. We even had some police officers shooting cops. Which are shoot? I'm sorry, not shooting cops, but shooting cats, which is you know pretty horrible. You know, yeah, police like, officers shoot cops too. <laughs> yeah, well, that that's even worse. <laughs> but but a cat, you know, come on, it's 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 just, it's bizarre that you would you be fearful of a cat, um, and 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 view a cat that aggressive. Terrible. Uh, it, it, I can feel a rant for all that, but I want to say, you know. I've read some, I mean, I've watched some of the videos, and I must say, I look at some of the training, and I think, what are we supposed to do with the ones that, let's face it, don't need training, it, they just need a bit of CS, which is common sense. I look at the video, and I think it's Chloe, I think I've spoken to you, Jim, about this on the show before, when I watch that video, and I think, why didn't they just shut the dog in the garage? Why did they and not shoot a... it? Why did they not? So what are we supposed to do with the ones that me, personally, ask Sue, would love, love to just take their uniform off them? I don't mean so I want to see them naked. I mean so the fact that we get them off our streets. But what exactly is the line that is drawn between, oh, hold a minute, they haven't had training, to the point where we say, no, this is, this is something else? Well, if you've got somebody that, again, is, is, is acting... Uh, there's several ways you can go with them as far as within and from without the department. Did they operate within their training? If no, then the department can take progressive disciplinary action for them departing from 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 training standards. If they're um, 
actions are unreasonable and and exceed the reasonable boundaries of their duties, then you've got further uh, and even bigger constitutional issues. And in those, they can't hide behind the immunity questions of working for the for the uh, for the police department if their actions are so egregious that they depart from uh, from reasonability. Then you open this huge uh, garage door, if you will, that you can drive through and, and hammer the not only the department, but if it becomes bad enough, you can hammer the individual. In Chloe's case, we have criminal charges pending against the shooting officer for felony animal cruelty. Uh, there have been other cases out in Colorado, another one where we had the same ability to press animal cruelty charges. So. So there, there, there's, there's openings there. Set the stage with the training because in some ways that just simply makes it where it's going to be worse when they goof up the next time because the department can, can not only get them for, um, um, you know, doing something dumb but for exceeding or, or departing from their training. And if it's, if it's egregious enough, the, the liability continues to, Increase to the point where you've got also, you know, as in, in Chloe's case, you've got potential criminal charges. And, and you know, that is just so huge because that that's the kind of what we've been waiting for is, you know, a, a police officer actually being charged with a crime because you can teach this in your courses, but they really don't think it's going to happen. The Chloe yeah, case has Con- changed Commerce City is not the first one where a police officer has been charged with this. Um, I mean, so what, what you, were the other ones, Jim? There was one actually out in Maryland. I can't. I don't remember actually where, but it was in Maryland when a federal officer shot the dog in the dog park. Oh yeah. I tell you yeah. what. Let me fetch. Let me fetch in my next okay. guest. We've got a good crack now. Move up everybody because there's somebody else to come in the room. Um, we've got Jennifer Edwards um, from the Animal Law Center. Hi Jennifer. How are you doing? Hey Jen. Good. How are you? Hello. Um, obviously, I'm sure you can add to that. Tell us, um, firstly, what you do, but also what cases, you know, that we've actually got a little bit further with the um, cases. Sure. Um, no, I, I actually am the attorney on the Chloe case. Um, I'm an attorney with the Animal Law Center out of Colorado. I'm also handling the case involving Ziggy, the other dog that uh, was shot on January 14th. They just resolved on Friday they're not going to bring felony charges against that officer. Very, very disappointing, but not surprising news. As I sat in with the DA last Tuesday, and he said, you know, unfortunately, there's just not a video. And that really is the uh, the tell-all in these cases. You know, I think that the evidence in Ziggy lended itself to charging that officer. I was at the necropsy. And part of this also with Chloe was it really, truly was an egregious. I mean, there was just no way, even without the video, the way the bullets went in from behind and that sort of thing, and the ligature marks around her neck where she was struggling to get out of the snare pole, things like that. It wasn't just the video. So um, a lot of the evidence lended itself to doing what they did with that officer. And it really is just down to that, the evidence. When they feel like they, if they've got evidence and they can't wiggle out of it, and then they're going to charge, and then they're going to do something about it. If they think that there's any wiggle room like they did in Ziggy, and that's what they did. They wiggled their way out of it, and I think it's going to come out in a civil trial where the burden is a little lower than beyond a reasonable doubt that this officer is not telling the truth. And I heard earlier conversation about the incident reports. Well, I think you would all be very, very shocked 
if you saw the Chloe incident reports. Actually, more than shocked, offended, disgusted, angry. I mean, I was literally throwing things around my office when I was reading them. It's just so unbelievable because it's just one of many, many, many of these cases where I got to see firsthand. I knew that they were lying. I mean, they're always lying. And it's always this Cujo defense, as we have developed and tokened around our office, of the dog came flying at them with their teeth bare, drooling, you know, seething and, and eyes red and glaring and ready to rip them apart. And that is the Cujo defense that they assert in each of these. I mean, Ava is a dog that was shot in May of 2011, um, and she had a rawhide bone in her mouth. On every witness account, she had a rawhide bone in her mouth and was standing there, was turning towards her parent, and when she called her and the officer shot her through the back, well, the officer's account was that she was flying through the air and he should probably join the friggin' Cirque du Soleil because of the actions he took and being able to draw his weapon before she reached him. She was five inches from his face as he pulled his weapon last minute and shot her in midair. I mean, it's just ridiculous stuff. But, um, you know, and that's, I heard something about coaching them towards their incident reports. It scares me a little bit because I don't want to give them any more information. I mean, they've already, they already doctored them up, but they already, one lies, the other swear to it. And it's really a hard burden to overcome as an attorney to prove some of this. Jennifer, can I just ask you what you've just said then? I'm a bit horrified, right? And I, I'm 100% behind all of you for training for these police because they need something. But by what you've just said, even if we had got the, the police trained, and, and we are going to have the one odd apple cart that is rotten, can we just say that if it doesn't matter what they say in their reports, regardless, if we haven't got video evidence, we haven't got much of a chance? I don't think it's necessarily video evidence. It's evidence. It's hard evidence and making sure that you've you've got that. And I don't think that there – I think in Ziggy's case there's a very, very, very much of a chance in a civil case we're going to be able to prove that officer was not in fear of his life and um, had other alternatives available, and that was an unnecessary killing. And he probably should have been given a felony charge. Um, you know, I, I think that – it really does, in the cases that I've dealt with, where the body disappears, where there's no evidence left, where they do a washdown, which they tried to do in Chloe, but we were able to piece it together, and we still had her body. And basically in these cases, I've just pushed and pushed and frankly just been a pain in the butt to these departments, and they know I'm not going away when a dog is shot here in Colorado. Um, I'm not going to go anywhere. And and with regards to the training, no, I mean, because one of the aspects, you're going to talk to Senator Balmer, um, who's one of two senators, he and Senator Gozman, out of Colorado here. I'm proud to live in a state that we're actually bringing the first legislation forward, not only for training of officers, but also to teach them other alternatives. And one of the big alternatives that I think would help in a lot of these cases is they have to give the owner of the dog a chance to get their dog. That's a big part of this, Bill. So dogs like Ava, dogs like Ziggy, that their owner is right there. They, the officer yeah. has to give that owner a chance to say, hey, come here, Ziggy, come here, Ava, and they can't just shoot first while the dog's headed back to the owner. Exactly. And that's going to be important. an important uh, positive thing, Jennifer, is, to, is getting that, like you say, getting that where they've got to give the opportunity and like I was saying before, Sue, that physical evidence is critical, whether it's video or a necropsy 
or um and not just any necropsy. That's the other part of it because no, we've got exactly. necropsies. And we've got necropsies, and in, in, in you can have wonderful forensic, I mean, I'm, I'm, not, I'm sorry, not forensic, uh, pathologists to do the necropsy that can tell you exactly the path, the trajectory of the bullet, mm-hmm. how it went through, but are unable to really pinpoint exactly what happened to that scene. And things like with Chloe, I mean, even the department, when they were there doing the investigation and doing the necropsy, didn't think to shave down her neck and open up the neck to look at the hemorrhaging in the neck, and that was my idea. I mean, you've got to really stand mm-hmm. on your feet and almost become a homicide detective. And, in fact, what I've done is I've hired some homicide detectives yeah. to help me with that. And, and that's what these are. And it's just like when I deal with human fatalities, whether you know, it's the same thing. You've got stuff that has to be dealt with, and it's the physical evidence, you know, and the necropsy by somebody who knows what they're looking at, the collection uh-huh. of evidence at the scene, the path of the bullet. And with these dog cases, it's critical to have somebody like Jim or myself or, or whoever that also understands behavior and can can go back and do basically a behavioral necropsy. How did this incident make sense to the dog? Mm-hmm. And how and, and what signals were the dogs giving? You know, right. if the dog is standing there with a rawhide in its mouth, it's physically not, it's behaviorally not possible for that dog to be lunging and snarling and snapping at the officer at the same time. It doesn't work that way. Yeah, well, if he's got something you in his mouth, he's not, not going to lunge at you. Right. Looking at the yeah, breed and anything of dog, he's going to protect that like, whatever he's got in his mouth more than lunging. There's going to be no jumping or lunging. If anything, he's just right. going to protect whatever he has in his mouth. Right. Right. Yeah. You know, well, and, and is this then looking at it? Is this a dog that was cornered? Is this a dog that that felt threatened and didn't have a way out? And maybe okay, maybe it was being uh, was showing fear aggression, but it had every reason to be doing so. And mm-hmm. one of the things that concerns me with the video I've just started going through from Syracuse is the officer first started well by um, actually opening the door and trying to get the dog into his car. Great start. But it deteriorated because as the dog backed up, the officer kept advancing towards the dog when the dog was clearly keeping a reasonable personal distance between himself and the officer. The officer should have been taught to recognize. I mean, we're taught as officers in in my 20-odd years, you're taught to keep a personal distance from suspects. It's not hard to make that transition to to explain to officers that dogs have personal distances. They have the same distance as we do. Maybe a little further, Mm -hmm. but... (laughs) <laughs> depends on, and of course it depends on the dog, just like it depends on the person. A cop's not going to let you within two or three feet. Some people don't mind standing right up to you and talking in your ear. And there's also ways to talk to animals. I mean, you, you just can't. Right. You know, could they look at your body language as much as you look at theirs? Well, I mean, and if the owner is right there on the scene, especially when then you're at the wrong address. The yeah, yeah, if you're at the wrong address and you realize it, you might be, and um, or, or in some of the cases, that owner was actually the one that called the police, um, you know, for for whatever reason, and they're calling to their dog, and they shoot the dog anyway. I mean, I think that's a huge part of it, too. They've got to stop these knee-jerk reactions. And it's, uh, you know, I'm shocked now. I didn't know that they were shooting cats because that was something 
that we were uh, Senator Obama and I were talking about is the fact that well, you know, we're going to limit this to the Dog Protection Act, and then you know, as time goes on, maybe we include other animals. But really, they're not shooting cats. They're not shooting anything else. But it's really scary to me. I mean, who shoots a cat? I mean, I know. I know. Anyway, I've had a couple. It's of not cases. a tiger. <laughs> If it's not a lion or a tiger, then I don't want to hear about it. You <laughs> know, it, literally one story they even said in the report that the cat was vicious. In the report, it actually said that. I have six stories right now of cats being shot. Yeah, yeah. And and there was one where I wouldn't want to be. Yeah, I wouldn't um, want to be the officer in the squad room the day after he shot the vicious cat. No, no, it's exactly. true. Exactly. It is true. There was one case in Illinois of a cat shooting where I, the cat owner called me, and I called the police officer and said, you know, this is this is a felony under Illinois state law. And he said, excuse me, ma'am, what section is that? Because I want to get rid of this police officer, and the union's giving me trouble. So I gave him the section, and he fired the, uh, the police officer who did it. Good. <laughs> they need to get rid of the best seats, you know. Well, you know, and, and a lot of these guys, the other thing is we're not going to, no matter how much training, sensitivity, uh, you know, handling animals or otherwise, we're never going to get rid of the bad culture in some of these departments. So, you know, the only way to do that is really to hit them where it hurts, which is in their pocketbooks, and make them wake up and pay attention and not allow their officers that, you know, like this officer Europe that shot Ziggy, he killed a man last year, a person, and then shot another dog and laughed about it. We've got um, witnesses now in the jail that were happened to be in there at the same time heard about this other shooting and said, well, I just happened to be in jail, and I heard this guy laughing about shooting a dog, putting a gun in a dog's mouth and shooting it. We tracked down. Yeah, in fact, there was another dog that nobody knew about that was shot in the mouth. So, I mean, this guy seriously is just a sick, you know what, and Mm -hmm. needs to be taken off the force, and I think the only way that that's going to end up happening is he's either going to kill somebody else or, you know, we're going to go at this civilly, and but, so we can't ever just get out all the bad seeds. But I think there are some, and unfortunately, some some of the officers are, we're facing some criticism now with the introduction of this new bill here in Colorado. Why do I need this training? Well, let me tell you, you're here to serve and protect. We all have Absolutely. pets, and you're screwing up. I mean, you're you're shooting our pets, and you're doing it out of knee-jerk reaction, lack of education and training. And, you know, the comment that was so infuriating the most, and I just emailed Senator Obama last night um, after all the news came out. The bill was sort of introduced yesterday in the media. And Commerce City had the audacity, and I say audacity to the fullest extent, to actually say, well, we've already gotten training. We got training two years ago. <laughs> Um, they sat there with the trainer, Sean Miller, and cracked up laughing about the training, saying that they would rather just shoot the dog, and this was ridiculous, and this is a waste of their time. Then on November 24th, they did what they did to Chloe. Same place, same jurisdiction. So, I mean, it's just infuriating. Um, Sean Miller. So, um, you know, and he did the same, he did the training in Brighton, who really embraced the training. They embraced the training when they captured Dre last summer. 
they had six officers with snare poles, and they took their time. I mean, he was a little slippery little dude, and they finally got him. They got him in the animal control vehicle. You know, we had a hell of a court battle, but he's home with his family now as a result of that proper training that he he did with that department, and they embraced that training. Commerce City, they thought, thought it was a joke, and now they're saying, well, we already got the training, and look, it didn't work. Well, that's because of the culture of your department. So, yeah. you know, there's also that problem. Can can I ask you, Jim, uh, Jim C., how many times while you were a police officer were you actually fearing for your life from a dog? Um, over the years, there, there were a, a fair number of situations where it could have gotten real ugly, but um, I always found another way to deal with it, either hold my position or back off or use uh, back in the day we had mace which was not as efficient as the pepper spray or you know use an object and throw it towards the dog mm-hmm. or, or or the big thing and the, it's one of the big things I'm trying to get through to people is using situational awareness if you're, if you're on a silent alarm we know that most silent alarms are bogus anyway and if it looks, and if you see the gates closed, and there's a beware of dog sign, and you see a bowl around the corner, rattle the bloody fence first. Here, puppy, puppy, <laughs> puppy, puppy, and exactly. then you know there's a dog there. And okay, yeah. if the dog is something that I don't feel like I'm willing to take on, you walk through the neighbor's backyard and you look at the back of the house over the fence. And if you don't see a broken window, then you say, okay call the owner and have them meet me here and let's have them walk us through the house to make sure that the house is okay. If you do see a broken window, you surround the place and then you drop back and figure out, let's get somebody here with a key so we can go in and search the house and, by the way, they can grab their dog. It it doesn't, it just takes being aware and thinking and set, you know, one of the things that people cite, and it's true, and Jennifer and Lady and, and, and Jim, Oh, back me up. Statutorily, a police officer, when he's doing his duty, doesn't have the legal the legal responsibility to back off. But we do have the common sense responsibility not to push the issue on every single case. So you don't have a lawful need to retreat if you're doing your job, but sometimes it just makes more sense to back up a half a step, look around, engage the brain, and figure out a better way rather than being a bull in a china shop. Yeah. Now, the the thing is with this, right, I, I'm going to – I would just want to go from a different perspective for a minute. As you know, I all sit on the garden fence, and, yes, I've got splinters from this garden fence. It's getting horrific now. But I want to say to all of, to you, Jim, you know, all the time we're getting this situation where the police are saying, oh, we, we feared for our life and everything, and that's put every single time near enough, and I'm sure the attorneys will agree. So how many times have we actually seen or heard or, or whatever of an horrific event where a dog really has, I'm going to say, savaged, because they're fearing for their life, savaged a police officer? How You've often has this actually have ever happened? Well, I'm aware of a couple of them in the U.K. where they've had to call in armed officers. Uh, there was one that I saw the video where five officers got bitten out. I think you've probably seen it out on a street in one of the London boroughs. 
Yeah, um, yeah, I saw country. it. I thought it was highly hilarious because they were running around like fairies. Exactly. Um, the other officers were allowing <laughs> the other officer to be bit. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 w- I will admit that, that, that there was a, a very uh, Charlie Chaplin, Keystone Cop um, <laughs> component to that entire amusing and rather, you know, entertaining. But I'm not picking on the guys there because at least – at least one of them didn't just reach into his, his holster immediately and start blasting down the street. And, because they don't um, have them. But as far they don't as have them on the street I, to do that. Right. That's the big but difference. For instance, in, in all of the history of the fatal dog attacks, as far back as I go, as far as I know, and this goes back to the 60s, as far as I know, there's never been a police officer killed by a dog, armed or otherwise. So, so um, then... There, there have been two people lately shot by their dogs in the front of their trucks. Those are civilians. Um, I'm not aware of a police officer, and I know there have been a few officers that have been bitten, but um, I'm not immediately aware of any that were that were life-threatening. And, and so, you know, it's life-threatening and fatal attacks for the public in general in the U.S. You have a chance of about one in... 15 to 17 million. Well, there's less police officers than there are regular people walking around. Of course, they're in, in more situations, but you also don't hear a lot of postal workers or UPS drivers being killed. Um, I know of one postal worker that died from uh, that's being blamed on a dog attack, but he passed away over a week later from heart complications. That's the only postie that I know of that has, has died. I know there have been a few um, postal workers who have been bitten fairly serious in the last several years. But, again, those are postal workers who are going to every single person's door every day of the week. Exactly. And they, they have more exposure than even the police officers because a police officer, you might handle a call at two different houses on that block in the course of six months. That postal worker is every single person's door every single day of the week, six days a week, no matter yep. what. So yep. there's not exactly. that many of them that have been legitimately that serious. Jim, Jim Masorio, are you aware of any? Not that I'm aware of, no. Not as police officer. Animal control <laughs> officers, I can say yes, but not police Yeah, animal control officers get bit, but, but when you're... As, I always, as playing, I always tell everybody, you know what? Police officer, you're paid to be shot. Animal control officer, you're paid to be bit. Fireman, you're paid <laughs> to be burned. Deal with your job. Right, exactly. exactly. And, and when I was running the animal control agency, um, when I was running the two and a half years out in West Florida, very few of my officers, despite the fact that their job was to deal with stray and difficult and frightened and aggressive dogs, Every day of their career, very few of them got bitten. Exactly. Well, and then out of those bites, how severe were those bites? Um, of those bites, during the two and a half years that I was there, none of us got bitten seriously. It was at most uh, a, punct- a, a minor puncture wound. And of those bites, I will tell you, most of them were dealing with feral cats in the shelter. Right. So I guess where I'm going with that is, you know, when people are, you know, people are scared of a bite, but the truth is most of the time, you know, that bite inhibition is going to result in nothing happening. Right. Most of the time. Right. Yeah, face it, behaviorally, most most bites, 
in, in my book, in, in my in my outlook, in my understanding of dogs, every bite ex- except for, you know, there are a few psychotic animals out there, but every bite has a purpose. And as a bite investigator, my job is to find out what the purpose was. And in mm-hmm. not most bites, the purpose is, some, is simply for the dog to get space because it's afraid, it's threatened, it's looking to try to escape. So most bites are what I call an engage and release. It's a single pop and then back up and watch for effect because the dog is looking for the way out. The dog is looking to de-escalate and to get away. Not so if you're talking to these bites, officers. Not if you're talking to these officers who were there for Chloe. She was apparently paralyzed and still dragging the animal control officer around and lunging at the officers on the snare pole and attacking yeah, well, the snare pole. Yeah, it, it, yeah, right. And 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 both of us have seen, been through that video and those reports, Jennifer. And both of us know that Chloe was backing up, trying to get mm-hmm. the hell away from the crazy people with the guns because she mm-hmm. was afraid of getting hurt. And, they know. Uh, if they I know. just let if they just let the animal control officer alone to do her job, everything would have been fine. Or if mm-hmm. they closed the garage door. <laughs> or open the back door yeah. and let her go in. You know. I'm sorry. I mean, in my time, it's 11.39 p.m., so I'm allowed to say this, but as we say in the U.K., no shit, Sherlock. (laughs) (laughs) If we we just closed the garage door and then tried to find the owner and and call him at work or something, we could have done it with just the animal control officer and everybody else could have gone home. Yep. Or let the little kids, that new Chloe, put her in the backyard or in the house. Yep. You know. Exactly. Exactly. See, see, I just think it's horrific. I'm sitting here in the UK. We've got the police that have got no guns whatsoever. Now, I own up to the five police that look like fairies. And like you said, I've just suddenly got that song in my head of that little fairy music, do you know what I mean? But... Uh, uh, what I can say there is um, I think they need to be taught train, training of teamwork because surely one could have distracted dog while the other four could have got to the dog or vice versa. You know what I mean? Something could have been done. But, well, but all I saw yourself. was them running around and the dog just running around them like idiots. Well, look at yourself in the UK there, Sue. I just read through an article uh, yesterday that had been in the Telegraph back in uh, 2010 Um regarding the, the London status dog unit. And when they're granted, I may, I don't want to get into the problem of breeds and all that, but when these guys go into a place, they do some intelligence work first to find out what's there. Then they go in and they prepare themselves. And shock of all shocks, they went in with the heavy artillery. They went in with a fire, a CO2 fire extinguisher to help in case the dog charged them that would keep the dog back so they could get a pole on it and yep. so they could take the dog safely into custody without firearms. And these are fellows that are doing this all day long. Yep. Now, you know, the, these guys, I, I, am, I am hoping uh, that when I come over to the U.K., I can actually get up with some of these fellows and learn something from their methods. I said I may dis- disagree or agree with with the reason about all the different cases and stuff. It's not just about yeah. Marty, but yeah, it's all the information we need. Yeah, it's 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 their techniques. I'm looking forward to sharing stuff with them and bringing back some of their strategies. I mean, I know fire extinguishers work because 
when I was on the police department, we actually used a CO2, an industrial fire department sized CO2 fire extinguisher to disable a human who was armed and threatening to kill himself. Uh, he's the only person who's ever been admitted in the hospital here in North Florida for frostbite. But we didn't kill him. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Now, I'm, I'm just got a few people on hold. I want to try and get through a few um, that are waiting on the line. Now, I think, hold on a minute, I think... You've got Senator Bomber on there. I know that. He's yes. just texted me. It's 303, <laughs> wasn't it, Jennifer? Yes. Yep. Hi, yeah. Senator. Welcome to the show. Hi, how are you? I'm okay. Thank you very much for calling into the Ask Sue Show. It, it's always a bit crazy, but we always have fun and seriousness, too. <laughs> Well, I, I love your accent. I've been listening to you for a few minutes now, and uh, you, I can listen to you talk all night long. Oh, well, <laughs> they always say. Thank you very much. <laughs> they, they let me have a word in now and again if I'm really good. <laughs> well, all doing I, good. I'm a huge uh, Downton Abbey fan, and uh, so um, if you could please uh, ship the uh, episodes over in advance so that we could watch them the same time that you watched them. That would be really good. <laughs> we'll swap emails and I'll do all sorts. Don't worry. I'll, I'll sort things out for you. <laughs> 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 well, I suppose we better get onto a, bit, a little bit of seriousness, do you think? Maybe we can have a fun show another night. We'll all call in for a fun show another night. All right. <laughs> So, Senator, t tell us exactly what exactly you're doing at the moment. And, and obviously, Jennifer's been praising you no end. So, fill us in on what's going on. Well, we're really excited to uh, – we're going to be introducing this coming week um, a bill that will require training of police officers. Um, right now, we have in the bill two hours of training and then a, the first year and then – refresher one hour. Um, we know that to be an inadequate amount of time, um, but that's all in the negotiation right now. We may try to increase the number of hours of training, and that would be our goal. Um, the bill also has a number of new um, rules that law enforcement will have to follow, um, one of the most important being that uh, unless it's a violent crime situation, unless it is a dangerous situation, we have seven exceptions in the bill, but unless it's one of those bad situations, um, they're going to have to try to allow the owner to, the dog owner, to rescue their dog, uh, put the dog in the backyard, put the dog in a spare bedroom, put the dog in the basement, put the dog somewhere so that the policeman can come to the door and talk to the homeowner, uh, the apartment owner, whatever it is, and find out what they need to find out and leave without shooting the dog. And so we're going to be establishing a new burden on law enforcement that they have to do that, uh, unless it fits into one of the exceptions for violent crimes. So we um, have been somewhat pleased about the cooperation from the law enforcement associations, the nonprofits that they have that coordinate uh, law enforcement policy at the, at the legislature. Uh, we have a sheriff's association, which is a group of elected sheriffs from the 64 counties in Colorado. And then we have police chiefs association, which are the um, city 
uh, police department chiefs, and um, right now uh, neither one of those groups is directly opposing our bill. Um, they are in. Uh, they're taking the approach of negotiating with us to try to build language into the bill that they feel needs to be in there. And at this point, we are working uh, work with them to try to uh, write a good law. Um, this all started um, with the dog shootings that happened here in Colorado. So um, we are calling it the Dog Protection Act. Um, it's going to be a new section of the Colorado statutes. Uh, it will be, as far as we know, the first law of its kind anywhere in the United States. And um, we are hopeful that many other states will follow our lead. Um, this is a nationwide problem. Um, there are dog shootings, as you know. Your guests that have been talking for the last uh, 30 minutes have clearly established that, and Department of Justice study establishes that. So this is probably needed in all 50 states, and um, but we hope that we will do a good job of trying to get the first law passed. We do have uh, strong support, I feel. Um, I'm very thankful for Senator Lucia Guzman, who is my co-prime sponsor. She is a Democrat from Denver, which is our largest city in Colorado, and I am a Republican from uh, one of the suburbs of Denver, um, and it's a, it's a swing district. Um, uh, for example, uh, President Obama won my district. Um, he, he beat um, uh, Romney in my district, but um, I was able to win, and I have knocked on – I've had – I was in the House, the Colorado House, for eight years, and now I'm in my first year in the state Senate. And um, so I was elected to the House four times, and I was elected to the Senate one time. So I've had five campaigns. I, I added up the number of doors the other day, and it was over 130,000 doors that I've knocked on over the years. Now, some of them have been knocked on more than once, so that's, there's duplication in that number. But I have never had a dog threaten me. Um, my wife calls me the dog whisperer. I have. Um, I believe that dogs can always uh, sense what your heart is thinking, and whether you're a good person or a bad person. And even if they're barking at me, if I start talking to them in a kind voice, they stop barking and they start wagging their tail. And they, uh, I allow them to come to me and smell me. And, and then and then they're my friend, and they walk me up to their front door to introduce me to their family. And um, I get a lot of votes because people are impressed that their dog likes me. And um, so, and that's all subliminal. They don't actually say that, but I know that to be true. So I've done too much talking. Go ahead and ask me questions. Sorry, I, I was juggling um, phone calls then at the same time. <laughs> right, Kristen, have you got any questions? No, I'm sorry. Um, I'm getting text messages from people that they're on hold. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that's the thing. I want to get things in. But let me just – sorry, Senator. Let me just say to everybody, if you're listening in the chat room, we've actually put the link. Oh. Go ahead. All right. 
We're going to be having, the show's going to be ending in 10 minutes, okay? It will end in 10 minutes, but we're having half an hour break, and then we're having another show for two hours, um, and I'm hoping the people that are on the show can actually call back in. But to the people that are coming to the second half, you need to click the link in, in, obviously, in 40 minutes, but the chat room will continue on, so we can be chatting through the half an hour break in the chat room, and then we'll be coming back on the show in 40 minutes. So, but we've still got 10 minutes to go here. So just to let everybody yeah. know, because it got to last time where people didn't know where they were going after the show. So, <laughs> uh, so sorry, okay, Kristen. Okay, so something that um, has been a concern of mine, you said that you know that the two hours is inadequate. And one of my concerns is if, um, you know, um, an inadequate training is introduced and thus fails, it will just, um, you know, give ammo that it doesn't work, you know, we still have to shoot, you know, it's a waste of time, it's a waste of money, that it will encourage that mentality. Um, do you think that, you know, valid or a, something that should be worried about? That's a great question. Um, I've been in communication um, with um, a lady in Fort Worth, Texas, who's trying to... Um, Educate Cindy. me on what they've done. Yeah, Cindy. Yeah, and so great. Cindy, I've asked Cindy to send me uh, the curriculum that they teach for eight hours. Um, so they have eight hours in Fort Worth. And um, I think that the way for me to bump up the number of hours is to show law enforcement what will be taught. Um, so, yeah, and actually the um, director of that training program is on the line right now. It's Jim Osorio. Uh, um, Osorio. Osorio. Can you email me the curriculum? Because I'm, I'm meeting on Wednesday with the Colorado Veterinary Medicine Association. Um, we have, at this point, in the bill, we have veterinarians teaching the course. Um, right. We don't have animal behaviorists as a licensed profession in Colorado, and um, we, we did not want the police departments to teach their own courses um, because right. we were not sure that that would be taken seriously enough by every department. Some would, but some wouldn't. So we, as a placeholder right now, we have a veterinarian teaching the course, and the veterinarians are not against that. They seem to be for it. I'm meeting with the veterinary board on Wednesday, so it would really help me if you could email me um, what you teach for eight hours, and then I could um, try to get the veterinarians to agree that that's a good curriculum, and then um, you could talk to law enforcement. Um, Law enforcement keeps bringing up the concept of having the canine department teach the course. And mm. I'm sure there are some canine department uh, people that would do a good job, but I'm not confident that that's not too cozy uh, a situation. So I, I think I would trust the veterinarian that is detached more than I would something so cozy. Yeah, and also, Senator, you also make sure your veterinarians have a little bit of that mentality side of law enforcement so that you that way they can address it better, if you know what I mean. Yeah, well, we would look for that. Um, I, I'm just trying to find 
a way to I know, but I'm trying to look for somebody that has that we can put in the statutes that's already in our statutes. So a licensed veterinarian is already in the statute. I can email you our the the actual course outline for this, our eight hour course. Um just to let you know though, we've been teaching it there since last year. We actually have three other Colorado agencies that we're doing. Uh, first week of April, we're doing one, and then the uh, last week of May, we got two other agencies that we're doing our same course that we actually taught in Fort Worth. Grayson well, Robinson already sent that to me. So that's your course? Yes, it is. Okay. Because it's it, um, okay. Well, if that's the course, then he already sent that to me. Or is there more that you could send me? Uh, okay. I, I'm well, sorry. Well, I'll tell you what. How about if I send, if you all send me your email addresses to uh, to Show at gmail dot com, and what I'll do, if you all want to send links that you want to send to each other, I will then forward it out as a group message to all of you. So I'll make a link of all the different links, and I can send them all to you, so you all get all the links, so nobody misses out. That's fine. Does that sound okay? And actually, you can just go to our Academy website. Our course outline for every course that we teach is on there. So you can always just click on it. It will come up in a PDF, and you can download it. Okay. Well, I'll tell you what. Do you want to put – you're on the chat. Do you want to put that into the chat room? I'll tell you why. Because all the links that are in the chat, I'm going to put onto my blog, and then everybody can read it off there as well. So it's um, Ask Sue blog. Oh, John, I've got my own blog. How daft is that? <laughs> AskSueShow.blogspot.co.uk, and I will be putting all the links that go into the chat room onto that blog. So if there's anything else anybody wants to add to that after the show, if you just email AskSueShow at gmail.com, I will put that onto my blog as well. So everybody will get all the information then. We're not going to get anybody missing out. That's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Is that okay? Jim Crosby from Florida here. Uh, I would just like to echo that uh, being a retired law enforcement officer and being a behavior person and, and working with aggressive dogs, I can agree with your, um, number one, I applaud what you're doing. And if I can be of any help in getting it passed, please get with me. But um, Jim, we've already got you in our, in, our, in our grasp. Oh, great. I've already been talking to him about you. Great. The other thing the I want to say, though, is I share your concerns with the canine officers, and I used to work with them. I wasn't assigned to them, but would work with them, and they do a great job. They do a wonderful task. They're very skilled trainers in a very narrow field with dogs that meet very specific tests with very high drive for a very specific, very difficult job. They're not necessarily general dog behavior people. And so, yes, I I agree that it's not a matter necessarily of coziness. It's they are are type. It's like the guy that's trained to put the fuel in the space shuttle may not be the guy to change the oil in your car. Yeah. Well said. Sorry, I'm, I'm going to have to interrupt. We are down to a minute and a half to the end of the show. We are going to be restarting in half an hour. Now, let me go down names on who can call back in. Jim O, are you able to call back in? Um, I, I might have to do something, but I'll, I'll try, yeah. Okay. Uh, Jim C? I'll be back. Okay. Uh, Letty, are you able to call back in? Yes, I can call back in. Uh, Kristen, I'll okay, even uh, Kim? Are you able to call back in? I'm sorry, me? Yes. 
Are, yes, are you able to call back in? Yes, I am. Okay, and Jennifer? I'm not sure if I'll be able to. I have a, a two-year-old I've got to entertain. <laughs> <laughs> okay, then, though. Well, thank you very much for calling in, and we will put your links into the chat as well. Uh, Senator, will you be able to call back in? I don't think so. I appreciate the offer, but I can't do it uh, with my schedule. But um, I'm looking at the website, www.nhlea.us. Right, Senator, I just emailed you that course outline, too. Okay, okay, excellent. Well, thank Senator you. And, and everybody that can't come back onto the show after, thank you very much for joining us. And please send me an email, asksueshow at gmail.com, and please keep in touch. Okay, Sounds thank good. you so much. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. Thank Bye-bye. you very much, all of you. And we'll Bye. be back in just a few minutes in half an hour. Thank you. Thank you, Sue.